Well, hey, what's going on? Well, family and friends, uh, you ready? Yeah. All right, second to last week, and today we're talking about everyone's favorite topic, politics. Let's get into arguments. Uh, Hey, listen, before the end of the sermon, I'm going to tell you who I think you should vote for. I'm totally kidding. (laughs) I got to find a new church. Uh, Hey, I am going to tell you how I think your heart should be, okay? And how I think we should begin to engage this. Uh, And so we got a lot of work to do, a lot of idols to burn down, a lot of two left feet toes to be stepping on, all right? And so uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Uh, We are going to be in 1 Samuel is where we're going to kick it off today. Uh, And as you're turning there, I think that the claim that we used for immigration last week would be the same in this setting as well. Uh, For the majority of people, even though they would claim that they are Christians, that they love Jesus, that they follow the scriptures, the Bible does not inform them on their political leaning. So remember, only 12% of Christians said that the Bible was their main source of reference of how they should view immigrants. And so if that's true of immigration, my guess is, is that we are more informed by NPR than we are by the scriptures regarding politics and political policies and how we should think about this issue or engage in this issue at large. And so I hope to do a bunch of work today in the scriptures to begin to disciple us really on how we should be interacting in this in politics. Really, we could do a six-week series on this. Let's keep it real. But as quick as we can, as high level as we can, we could say 8,000 more things before the end of this sermon. But I hope to give a base as to how to engage in this chaotic season and just in general, even as we move forward in our country. So 1 Samuel chapter 8 is where we are going to be. And I'm going to have uh, my brother and an elder, uh, Casey Anyekene, read this for us. Go ahead, Casey. What's up, Well family? My name is KC, and I serve as one of the elders here at The Well. And today I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 8, verses 4 through 7, and verses 19 through 22. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, No, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. This is the word of the Lord. 
And thanks, brother. So several things here. Firstly, Samuel is like, hey, y'all don't really want that. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we do, all right? And we see immediately a stubbornness of the heart here, right? Remember last week when discussing issues of mercy and justice, our hearts tend to grow stubborn and we lean more onto what feels natural in our hearts or what we've been told to do by others rather than what scripture says or what God tells us to do in issues of justice. I know this because a lot of y'all are uh, waiting for me to lean just a little bit to the right politically or a little bit to the left politically so that you can jump out and attack me on this sermon, right? I can feel it through the screen. You're like a, a lion in the grass right now, all right? And uh, I really want to encourage you, maybe you've allowed your heart to grow stubborn with the issue and the idea of politics. And uh, maybe we can ask the Lord today to help us. What might we be missing in this area? How could we grow in this? And maybe we can seek God's face today together to say, will you enlarge in my understanding of how I should engage this world politically today rather than allowing our hearts to be stubborn because we already know what we want like the people of Israel did here. They already knew, therefore they didn't listen and they ended in their destruction. And so let us not be like this today. Oftentimes we more desire to be right than we do desire to be godly. And so let us seek godliness over the noise today. Amen? Amen. Okay, now notice uh, that the people wanted something that the rest of the nations had. We see that there in verse 5 and in verse 20. You can see that on the screen. And Israel is really supposed to be set apart. They're looking different than the world around them, but they really want to look the same as the world in a lot of ways. Similarly, the church should look different than the world around us, but a lot of us are looking for earthly kings that would represent us well. Notice everything that they desire from a king, God has actually already done before. God was a king and a judge for them. God actually helped fight their battles, but they wanted someone else on earth to represent God to them and the kingdom to them, rather than them being the representations of the kingdom of God to others. They wanted a man to represent God to them rather than them being representations to the world around them. And we too can often desire an earth ruler to represent or to act on behalf of God and his church, not realizing that God has called his church to act on his behalf, not the other way around. And so we are to be the ones that are the representatives. We're too often quick to pass off the stewardship of gospel requirements to politicians and to political parties. We are not taking ownership as the church. And so one of the problems is that we want politics to do and politicians to do what God commanded the church to do and showing kindness or loving the poor or whatever it may be, that's on us, y'all. We are the church. God gave us those commandments. Now, the politicians should do those things. Don't mishear me in saying that, but what are you doing in this issue? How are you responding? Are you taking up the stewardship of the gospel that was given to you when the Holy Spirit was entrusted to you by the king of the universe himself? Are you walking in that reality? This is what we need to be about. We are called to bring the kingdom, not the state. 
right? We are called to bring justice, not the White House, the church, y'all. We are the ones that respond. Now, once again, they should be doing this as well, okay? But often, I think we think like the Israelites here. This whole series, we've been saying that we are the ones that need to do something about it. We need to love. We need to get involved. We need to speak on behalf of those who do not have a voice. We don't need a king to do this for us. We already have a king who did that for us and now calls us to act on his behalf. And so this is what we need to walk through. Look, it is helpful when the politicians align and when they are walking out biblical principles. I'm not saying that it's not important, but the king of the country is not going to make or break the church because the church already has another king. We already have one who is reigning. And unlike Israel, we need to not reject that king from reigning over us and try to put it on earthly men who will fail us. And too often we do that. Now, in between those sections where they wanted a king, Samuel is like, yo, this is what the king is going to be like. And he walks through and he says, I mean, are you sure you want a king? Because listen to what they're going to do. They're going to take your sons and make them warriors. And they're going to take your daughters and make them court attendants and your taxes to actually support their mission. And Samuel is trying to reason with them. And they're like, ah, reason, we don't care. Give us a king, <laughs> right? And they respond emotionally to logical arguments arguments, okay? Another problem in lusting for a king, which is what American politics is, it's lusting after a ruler, somebody to make things right, the right king. It makes us emotional because this is actually an issue of worship for us. You see, they respond in verses 19 and 20 emotionally to a logical argument, and that's a lot of what's happening right now, y'all. In fact, both parties, they try to make us respond emotionally to logical arguments notice in debates how few questions are actually getting answered. It is more emotion because they know if they can tie in your emotions, then they will also tie in your allegiance to them because emotion is so closely tied to worship. And so a lot of us are worshiping the desire for a good king over worshiping the good king himself. And we miss this, right? We know that worship is a heart issue because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, it says. And so who have you been speaking about more recently? Who have you been trying to defend more the last four months, Jesus Christ or Donald Trump? Who have you talked more about recently, Joe Biden or the king of the universe, Jesus? What is really in your heart? What is really stealing your worship or your affections? Your mouth and your Facebook feed will tell you. And so just go look at it and analyze who do you actually think is going to be the savior? Now, that's not to say not to talk about it. This is important once again, but we need to make sure that we have it in right order and balance. The king of the universe is on his throne. That is who our mouths need to be proclaiming most about. And so I think one of our big problems is that we are more like Israel than we think. We're looking for a politician to do what only a savior can. And this confuses our emotions and it almost tempts us to worship earthly men rather than a godly king. And if we do this, there's no hope for us, y'all. I mean, listen, Israel even had great kings, right? It wasn't like all these jokers were bad. Like they had David and, and Josiah and Hezekiah, but even the good kings brought the nation harm because no man can do what only a savior can. 
And so we need to realize even with the best in office, it is not what we actually need. What our hearts are truly looking for is not a man in office, but a king on the throne. Newsflash, we have that if we're believers in Jesus. We have the king on the throne. Everything that you are looking for your politician to do was already accomplished by your king on the cross. And if you believe in him, then you are going to a kingdom where he reigns. Amen? Okay, now let's keep it G though, right? Like, like we know a lot of us aren't duped that there isn't really a good king on the ballot. This isn't a simple black and white issue where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, the king, okay, let's just check this box, right? Like that's not usually what some of us who are engaged with this are struggling with. And let's also keep it real. The Bible is a political book. And this isn't just an issue of like, oh, trust Jesus and then the rest will be okay. No, 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 the Bible calls us to be in the world, just not of it. And the Bible is a book that is filled with politics. You have laws and kingdoms and lands and boundary lines and kingships and governments and constitutions and wars. I mean, the book literally ends with Jesus establishing his eternal governmental reign. That's how the Bible closes. And so we're not just like, oh, it'll get better one day. Just trust on, right? Like, no, no, we're called to bring the kingdom on earth as it would be in heaven. And so we fight for this because we see in heaven an eternal reign. And so we want to begin to make earth reflect that as best as we can as the church. The responsibility, though, is on us, not on our politician, okay? And so that's what we got to get right first. And politics, the reason we care is that it involves so much justice and mercy it directly impacts the people that we are called to care about, the world around us. So we need to be serious about this, to engage in it, to understand that there's something that Christ may call us to do as his people in this realm. And so I want to read several passages here. And really what I want to do is I want to pull some from each passage because I want us to be able to get very, very practical on this issue as to how can we live Live out our politics in our Christian walk. What does it look like to engage in the political process today? So I'm going to have another elder of ours, Garrett Boone, read several different passages for us. Go ahead, Garrett. Hey, Well family. My name is Garrett Boone. I'm a covenant member here at the Well and also serve on the elder board. Today's scripture is going to be found in a few different passages, starting with Romans 13:1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. The second comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-2. through 2. First of all, then, I urge the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And the last coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, brother. Hey, so firstly, what do we do? Well, first of all, we trust God, okay? We trust. Romans 13, 1 tells us to submit to governing authorities because God isn't off his throne. 
all right? He's the one that turns the king's hearts, the proverb says. Submission is not an action, by the way. It is a posture of the heart that then leads to humble actions. And so we can submit and disagree, y'all. In fact, we can submit and even begin to work towards something that we think is better. But submission is ultimately our heart saying, God, I trust you. I know that you are reigning. I know that you are good. I know that your plans will not be thwarted. I know that you are the actual one that reigns. But Tori, that this politician is so awful. Yeah, look, we know that, yo. Paul is writing under Nero, who used to take Christians and burn them on crosses at night to light up his garden so he could see. That's what Paul's writing this context in. Paul would have never advocated for that. In fact, you can see in the scriptures, Paul often fought against that. But Paul also trusted God in the midst of that, y'all. He knew that God was the one that was reigning. Ah, Tori, but but can't you see the other side, right? Like, Like if they get control, what, they're gonna somehow usurp God off his throne? God is in control. You can trust him, y'all. You can trust him. I think whenever you feel your heart start racing, just take a deep breath and tell your soul, God is still on the throne. He's still on the throne. We take responsibility. Yes, that's not what I'm saying, right? Like we respond at times, even in action to acts of ungodliness, but we don't freak out because God isn't planning on giving up his throne to a donkey or an elephant. The lion will sit enthroned forever, amen? And we need to believe that in our hearts. And listen, sometimes like with Israel, God actually raised up ungodly leaders over Israel as judgment against them. He had foreign kings who were God-haters that actually were raised up as judgment over his own people, and then he called them to submit to them. And so maybe this is actually just the season that we deserved, but don't nobody want to talk about that, do we? (laughs) Right? But do you trust that God's hand is working even when everything around you seems chaotic? Because if you don't, you're going to take matters into your own hands. And so this is where we start off the process. We trust God. He is on the throne. Earth is his footstool. He's got it, y'all, okay? Second, what do we do? Well, we pray. This may be one of the most powerful weapons that we have. God calls us, you see there in 1 Timothy on the screen, to pray and then tells us that if we have peace in our government, it will actually help for the advancement of the gospel is what the next few verses says. And so it's important that the political policies are lined up right even for the advancement of the gospel at times. So we pray to this end. So do you spend more time tearing down your political opponent or praying for them, right? Like, because, you know, if Jesus actually did capture these guys' hearts, it would change a lot of things, y'all. But our lack of prayer shows us our lack of faith, that we don't actually think God can move in this. And so then we, like Israel, desire a king because we don't think that God is a good one to us or that he won't answer our prayers and work on behalf of his church and deliver a good one to us. And listen, here's why we pray, family, because all it takes is one good 
in person, right? Like, think about the Bible once again, as political as it is. You think about Daniel or Joseph or Esther. Just one person changed the whole political landscape of the day. Like, this is important. One good ruler changed things for generations to come. And so what if God gave us just one to actually extend justice, to actually extend mercy, to actually walk in the compassion of Christ? If God could take a pagan king who thought that he was a God in Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel and turn him into a God worshiper, then God can take any man in office and make him a God fearer and a God lover unless we don't believe the powers of the scriptures anymore, unless we think the Holy Spirit is inactive in this world around us, God can move. And if the church keeps producing real disciples, then maybe one of those people may actually be the answers to our prayers that goes in and makes change for the good of the world around them. So what if we prayed more, y'all, and actually believed in its power? How do we engage politically? We trust God first and then we pray, okay? But then thirdly, y'all, we discern or we think, okay? In 2 Corinthians 11, it says that people came in preaching other Jesuses or giving alternative versions of the kingdom, different understandings of the gospel. And Paul was like, and y'all just be accepting it, right? That's what Paul said here, right? And so what happens is people are telling us that Jesus supports this or Christianity acts like this or Christian values would tell us to vote this way. And we're like, yeah, 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 that's true. And we just be accepting it, right? We don't activate our brain and think about it. Don't be so easily persuaded from people who only want something from you like your vote. You need to begin to realize that we are the action bringers of the kingdom. We are not passive participants, but active disciples in the world around us. And so we move in biblical Christianity and say, this is what we think the kingdom should look like. Listen, we don't shut off our mind as Christians. We actually activate it more thoroughly. We engage in it more readily. And so we trust God with a heart of submission, and then we love God with our mind and with our actions, but then we begin to think, y'all, and we move in that process. For example, you can vote for your conviction. This is really good. As long as you think and listen to other people whose convictions might be different than yours, realizing that your conviction might be twisted and wrong. We think, right? We engage. We're okay to be wrong, and we let the scriptures begin to shape and mold and influence us, and things change over time. And so we change as well as we try to submit to the words of God. And so this is what we are called to do. And if we do that, we will find that we are more balanced, not tossed to and fro with the wind as easily. You engage in politics by thinking, y'all. Use your brains, okay? Remember, I told you they want to keep you emotional, worshiping, but I think that God calls us to love him with our mind here and to be sober-minded and to think, okay? So let's think here. Daniel Bennett, a professor at John Brown, says this, our country's extreme political climate might tempt us to adopt its hostile rhetoric and dehumanizing tones, rendering us indistinguishable from the world. 
Or we might be tempted to abandon political engagement altogether, fatigued by the rancer and fed up by the partisan stalemate. But neither option will suffice for those of us called to be in the world for the sake of the kingdom. We must forge a better path for a healthier, Christ-centered political engagement, okay? And so we trust, we pray, and then we think, but then who do we vote for, right? Who are you voting for, Tori? That's all I want to know, right? (laughs) I feel it still, okay? You're trying to judge me. I feel it, all right? But we're going to keep going. Uh, I want to read a couple more passages to keep, hey, how do we engage in this? And so I'm going to have my friend uh, Milana Brown read that for us. Hi, y'all. My name is Milana Brown, and I am a covenant member at The Well. My husband serves as one of the elders, and I help teach the women's purity class and purity groups. Today, I'll be reading Joshua 5, 13 through 15. When Joshua was by Jericho, He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. John eighteen thirty six, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. The word of the Lord. Thank you, friend. All right, now let's get more gritty here, okay? Remember, Adam at the wellaustin.com if you have problems. <laughs> People said I use that joke out, but y'all be laughing every time. Right? So, uh, hey, Joshua, okay? The leader of the nation of Israel, like God's chosen nation, his army, he sees the commander of the Lord's army, which is Jesus, at night. And he's like, hey, yo, who you for? right? Okay, now, God is still leading Israel. He's technically still Israel's king at this point, really, and he's given them a covenant, and he's chosen for them to be his representatives. This is God's people. In fact, the scripture says that he fights on their behalf, actually, and so when he's like, hey, who are you for? You would think the answer is like you, Israel, right? Like, you're my child, Wrong, okay? Are you for us or for our adversaries? Brother man didn't even say neither, right? In typical Jesus fashion, he just said no, okay? Are you for us or them? No, right? And so, hey, Tori, are you for the Democrats or the Republicans? No, right? Like, like, are you for us or our adversaries? No. And so, I mean, unless you think one of those sides represents the kingdom of God, and if so, I don't want to be in your kingdom. That ain't the kingdom that we're striving for. Neither side upholds biblical values, principles, commands, and character. So who are you for? No, right? Tony Evans, a pastor in Dallas, said in a sermon recently, God did not come to take sides. He came to take over. The God of the Bible does not ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. Dang right about that, all right? Jesus then says to Joshua, I'm not for you, you're for me. Take off your shoes because you're looking at God. 
and Joshua bows down and worships. And these political parties keep trying to show us that Jesus is for them. He does not exist for them. They exist for him. And because neither side acknowledges this, then we are politically homeless as the people of God. And so after you trust and after you pray and after you think and you discern, then you realize that you do not pick any sides. You need to be comfortable being a political nomad, point four. Be comfortable being politically homeless, y'all. I'm not saying be apathetic. Don't do that. Be engaged in the process. I'm not saying be libertarian or something. That's not what I'm saying here, right? I'm not saying that you can't vote Republican or Democrat. You can do that. I'm saying that neither side is the kingdom, so let's stop acting like it. Partisanship is becoming more and more extreme and has led us to believe that we have to cave into Christian principles or morality in order to adopt non-Christian values or behaviors to side with that party. And that's not true, y'all. Christians call sin, sin. And to not do this is to confuse the world. You break one part of the law, you break the whole law. And both sides are becoming lawbreakers in different ways. Yes, some things impact people more. So think, think about it. Let's think about the immigrant and the unborn and the economy and the safety of Americans and racial injustice. Yes, think about these things. They all matter. We are justice and mercy. We care about God's creation. But you keep trying to convince yourself that Jesus is in one camp and he's trying to show you he owns the world. Bow down and worship. That this is what he comes to do is take over. British ethicist James Mumford, he calls this thinking package deal ethics. And he says that increasingly political parties insist that you cannot work on one issue with them if you do not embrace all of their approved positions. And this just isn't true. You don't have to buy everything wholesale because they are not building the kingdom, y'all. They may focus on one piece of the kingdom, but God wants to infiltrate all of it. God wants to come through and take over and neither side allows him to do that. And so you can, Christian, you can be Democrat light, you can be Republican light, but that's it. No side fully represents Jesus. And so in a way, you need to be a nomad in the midst of that. You know, there's an understanding here where we are the refs in this playing field called politics. And I think about it where one team is the home team, let's say, and the other team is the away team, and we are called to be the referees. And if we go onto the field, and if we begin to start to side with one side or the other, then we are tilting the game into another team's favor, acting unfairly, not bringing justice. The referees aren't called to be swayed by the fans and the crowd. We are called to play things by the rules. And when one of the two sides breaks the rules, we throw a flag and say, that's a foul. And it might be a five-yard penalty or a 15-yard penalty or an ejection from the game. But whatever it is, we are the referees, not the players, y'all. And so as Christians, we come and say, this is what the kingdom of God should look like. This is what morality is. This is what mercy is. This is what justice is. And we show the earth the kingdom, y'all. And so we don't pick sides in the midst of that. And so Republican light or Democrat light, you can be a diet Democrat or a reduced fat Republican, all right? (laughs) But that's it, okay? (laughs) Uh, At the end of the day, you have to be a Christian. 
And you need to try to inject the teachings of Jesus into every area of your life, politics included. And if not, then this turns into an idol and you get more passionate defending your political party than you do defending your king. And that's where worship comes in and that's where things go chaos. We should be a people that love the kingdom of God more than our politics. You should not be sharing with people more that they need to vote Republican over sharing the gospel with them. What have you been trying to convince people of more? You should not be telling people they need to lean democratic more over actually doing mercy and justice as the church of God. Jesus will fix more things than these parties could ever dream of. And the church has the answers, y'all. So we don't pick a side. We pick the church and we move forward on that behalf. By the way, for those of you who think the enemy is on the other side, you do realize that these are people that Jesus bled and died for, right? Like, like, do you feel compassion for the other side? Or do you just think the other side is so stupid? I can't believe that somebody could go on that side so stupid, not realizing that if you think like that, you're actually the fool, according to Proverbs. Go read that book. And let that actually inject in your system. Do you feel empathy? Do you actually love the other side? Do you realize that they are people who Jesus bled and died for? He bled. He was killed. The Lamb of God laid down his life for these people. Who are we to not extend care and compassion towards them? Idolatry if we don't. That's what that is. Tell your hearts that there is a better king. There's a better king. Which brings me to my next point. We need to share and show Christian unity. That's how we engage in politics. Point five. John 18, he says, look, if my disciples were of this world, they'd be fighting trying to establish this kingdom. But they're not about this kingdom. They're about a better kingdom. And some of us are more concerned with fighting Christians over earthly kingdoms rather than fighting fighting for unity that Jesus commanded and prayed for in John 17, verse 21 through 23. Like, we are spurning Jesus's prayer over political candidates that we never even met, y'all. Like, we are literally not unifying around the person and work of Jesus, the very thing that draws us together. Now, you can have opinions. You can, okay? But we talked about our staff team recently. We are all over the place politically. There's differing opinions, but we don't break fellowship over this. In fact, it is actually beautiful because, listen to me, family of God, we cannot say we love diversity and mean that only ethnically. We actually need to have that holistically. And political diversity actually helps us see things in a different lens. And it allows us to see Jesus more clearly. Because if I'm only on one side of the fence, then I think the only thing Jesus cares about is morality or civic issues, or whatever it might be. But seeing both sides, I realize that there are different approaches to topics that actually impact people, and there are different ways that might bring justice or harm, mercy or selfishness, or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, but, but you don't understand, brother man, right? Like, like, this side hates freedom, or they hate people, or they only care about money. It sounds like you don't talk to the other side that much. 
Because when I talk to them, that's not what I hear. I hear reasoning and logic when I talk to my brothers and sisters in Christ often. I wish I had time to go into this. I don't really, but you can look it up later. There's a reason that Jesus brought a tax collector and a zealot onto the same team to be his disciples. Twelve of his, two of his main, the twelve disciples, one was a tax collector and a zealot. They would have looked like political enemies of the day. Like, you think that Trump and Biden, you think that Democrats, Republicans are bad? The zealot we're killing the tax collectors. And look, maybe there's some shady stuff going on that we don't know about. All right? like, I, I ain't gonna, but like, it ain't that hostile, right? It's not that public. And Jesus said, yeah, bump that. We on the same team now. And he brought in different sides to show there's a greater unity underneath the banner of Christ. There's unity in diversity. There's a greater bond than our ideologies, family of God. Don't we want this? Do you want this? Ask your heart, do I ask actually want that? Or does my political positions matter more than persons? Do I choose a senator over my sister? And if that's the case, you're choosing an earthly kingdom over one that will reign forever. And those sands, castles that you're building will sink when the waves come, y'all. We need to build on the solid rock of Jesus. Don't just stand on issues. Walk with people, y'all. This whole series, we've been saying this. Know people. Don't just try to prove them right. Actually listen to them. And too many of us, we're fighting for kingdoms on earth, but that's just it. It is just an earthly kingdom, y'all. There's a better way. And Jesus showed us this. In fact, we see this in the very person and work of Jesus. You see, we actually have a political leader like no other, one that your soul actually wants and longs for. And he's the one that dictates how we should think about earthly politics. You see, we have a king who became an oppressed citizen so that we who were oppressed citizens might now become princes and princesses of the eternal king to one day reign forever with him, y'all. Like, like, listen, the kingdom is political. We are going to a place where there will be an eternal king. And we are also going to become political because we will be on thrones ruling and judging with him. We will be political in the kingdom just without sin. And so there's a reason why our hearts are bent towards this, why we care about this issue so much. It's been hardwired into us because that's a place where we are going. We'll just be sanctified there. Right, And so you will be a politician, a judge, just pure. And so, but we cannot take where we are going and then twist that desire to think it can be found here on earth through broken humans. It cannot. Our politicians cannot do what Jesus commanded the church to do. We respond as his advocates here on earth because King Jesus rules the whole world. We bow down and we worship and then we stand up and we walk in his calling. But yet this God also showed us the way because this God named Jesus came down and laid down his life for us. The highest king became the lowliest servant and we keep trying to exalt human kings. Don't you see? The only way we're going to achieve what we desire, the only way we get true freedom, the gospel tells us if we truly want justice and mercy, if we truly want the kingdom on earth as it would be in heaven, then you cannot exalt a king to that place. 
You need an exalted one to become a lowly servant. And in Jesus, we have the exalted one that became the lowly servant so that we might now find exaltation in him. This is what our kingdom looks like. And it is upside down and different than the world. Don't you long and thirst for that kingdom? Doesn't your soul crave that sort of rule and reign? Like, isn't this what we long to go to? Jesus bled and died, family of God, and now he calls us to lead like this as well. And so we have a different politic because we have a different kingdom. And so who am I voting for, you ask? I don't know, actually. I actually already voted. I just forgot because y'all be bugging, all right? But listen, the kingdom, it overwhelms our world. And so it transcends our earthly politics. So we will never truly have a home. And so who do you think best represents that kingdom? Well, then go there and vote that way. Number six is, hey, advance the kingdom. That's how we engage in politics. Not advance a party, not advance your desires, advance the kingdom. What do we think brings the kingdom on earth as in heaven? How can we think about the kingdom when we are voting? Who do we think will more likely highlight the beauty of God? So don't mishear me here and say it doesn't matter. It does matter, but you can trust God in the process. You can pray and discern and think. You can realize that neither side is going to bring what your soul actually looks for. We can be unified in that process, and then we can go out and act. And we cannot put too much hope in our earthly saviors because they are going to fail us. And we love our sister that our brother Jesus died for and made us brothers and sisters along with him. And then who we will politically raise with one day, by the way, like you're Democratic Christian and you Republican Christian, y'all will be reigning together one day, just with purified politics where both of those will fade into the distance as we reign on earth forever. And we try to vote for that to come in and be we go into politics maybe even if we care about that and try to be a Daniel or a David and change it from the inside out because all it takes is one, as we saw in scripture, it matters But the church matters so much more, y'all, straight up. The church matters more. And so we fight for a church over our party, y'all. Wait, advance the kingdom, you say, but it's so complex, right? I know it is. That's why I told you who I voted for, because there's all these different ways that you can try to see how this will actually help advance the kingdom. But as we try to think about it, and then we go into that process, and we walk into our consciences, and we try to highlight God, not ourselves, but try to highlight the kingdom of God to the world, then we vote, and then we walk out, and we trust God afterwards, y'all. And we start that political process all over again, back to trusting, back to praying, back to thinking, and that's just a cyclical process because he reigns and he's building better, y'all, than anything that anybody else is doing here on earth. Now, there's all sorts of complexities to this that we didn't get into today, and so maybe you really care about politics, or maybe you are a rookie to this and you want to know more. There's two ways that you can get involved and learn and grow here. One of them is we're actually going to be doing a class. So if you go back to the Connect page that Jane talked about earlier in the sermon, at the bottom there's there's a political class that you can sign up for. And we're not going to do this class until January. And you're like, wait a minute, that's way after the election. Yes, because politics actually impacts us like year round, okay? It's not just in November that it impacts us, right? And so we want you to learn and to grow there. And we're going to collect that and give you more information about what the class looks like. And so if you're interested, sign up and we'll get that information to you. The other thing you can do is you can read and learn. There are a bajillion things that you can read. Stop reading one source, by the way, okay? But one of the things you can do is read 
made a book called Compassion and Conviction. It's a book that just highlights that we can actually be justice and mercy driven as a church. We can be compassionate towards people and yet have biblical convictions that guide that. And we do not have to have wholesale politics is really what that is. And so you can read that book. It's a pretty short read, but it's a great one, okay? Now, there's so much more we could say, so many more application points we can do, but we could go into all the little gritty details, but talk to others, okay? Be educated, call out evil and call out good that you see, but ultimately trust Jesus, y'all, because the captain of your ship ain't gonna sink it. If he is in your heart, that ship is not going down because he dwells there. And if he is the head of the church, then this ship ain't going down because he's the captain of it. And so we can trust him in the process. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Listen, I love this church. Let's keep looking beautiful, y'all, including here. Amen. Let's look beautiful here. I love you guys. Let's pray. Ma'am. Um, yeah, Jesus, thank you for your goodness over us. Uh, Jesus, I pray for salvation, actually. In fact, I pray for people who are listening right now who maybe they have never made you king of their lives. And they're looking for earthly kings and earthly rulers and all these other people to satisfy what only you can. Would they make you king today? You can have a better savior and deliverer than any politician, y'all, the king of the universe. And I know it looks chaotic right now. And I know the world looks crazy. And it looks like he's not on his throne. This is where it takes faith. We trust him that he actually is. And so I pray that people would make you king today. And Jesus, I pray that you would become king to some of these people in office that they would fall in love with you, that they would see you, that they would change their morality, they would change their policy, they would change their way of thinking to try to bring the kingdom. And for those of them who are believers, would you give them wisdom, God? Gosh, this is hard. There's so many things to do in the midst of this and we can play Monday morning quarterback and just uh, you know, throw stones at them. I pray for wisdom for them. This is confusing for some. I pray for wisdom for us. This is a crazy time. Help us, God. Give us wisdom in this. But God, more than that, I pray for unity. Even as we jump into these piranha-infested waters today, I pray that we would be more unified at the end of this sermon, not less. That if we feel idolatry wanting to creep into our heart and say, you should have told us to vote for this or to do this, or to, I pray that we would submit to the kingdom, that we would see a better unity, a better way forward, the church. And then if we cared, I mean that we would serve and love, but that we would not be the arrogant voices in the wilderness, but rather we would be the humble voices walking alongside of people. Would that be true of our church? And ultimately, God, I pray you would glorify yourself here that you would be king, that you would be Lord, and that we would submit to your lordship. You are on the throne and you ain't never getting off. So until your kingdom comes, would we trust you and would we try our best to represent you on earth as is in heaven? We pray this in your precious and your beautiful name, our King Jesus, amen.